My scripture lesson this evening is Matthew 1, verses 1 through 17. I'm working on a series, an Advent series, called A Disciple's Christmas. And the question I'm asking myself is, how does a Christ follower's Christmas differ from someone who doesn't follow Christ? How does a disciple's Christmas differ from someone else who doesn't follow Christ? And one of the ways, I guess there's many ways you can flesh that out, but one of the ways is that we as Christ followers, as those who've decided to follow Jesus, recognize this Advent season that we are sinning saints. Can I have an amen? That wasn't too boisterous there. We are sinning saints. I want to look at that this morning from this unusual scripture passage in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. Now, if any of you are looking for names for your sons, pay careful attention. You may find one here. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Abinadab, Abinadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Solomon, Solomon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, And Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. All right. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram. Jehoram, the father of Uzziah. Isaiah, the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Ammon, or Amon. Amon, the father of Josiah. And Josiah, the father of Jokaniah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile... Jokaniah was the father of Shealtiel, I think Shealtiel, maybe Tiel, Tiel, Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, the father of Abiad, Abiad, the father of Elakim, Elakim, the father of Azor, Azor, the father of Zadok, Zadok, the father of Achim, Achim, the father of Eliad, Eliad, the father of Eliezer. Eliezer, the father of Mathan. Mathan, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Thus, there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile, and 14 from the exile to the Christ. Amen? Probably be a long time before you get back to that passage. That would be my hunch. The title of my message is this. 
Every saint has a past, and every sinner a future. Every saint has a past, and every sinner a future. Every saint has a... Every saint has a... And every sinner has a future, right. A quote from Oscar Wilde. Yes. Not sure what you think about that 19th century Irish doctor, playwright, author, and poet. I'm sure that many of his contemporaries viewed him as quite the sinner. I'm quite certain that very few of his contemporaries viewed him as a saint. And yet he wrote... Every saint has a past, and every sinner a future. It's a quote that points to a very important truth. If we understand the word saint now to refer to a Christian, one who's been sanctified by Christ, as Paul does in his letters to the saints in this town and to the saints in that town, then we may truly say that every saint has a past and every sinner a future. Interestingly, it's in the first chapter of Matthew that we learn this truth. Now, there's some other passages for sure, but if you're looking for a reason why this passage is in the Bible, this may be it. The genealogy of Jesus shows us that every saint has a past, and every sinner a future. Now, this this genealogy interests me. Perhaps it interests you for a a few reasons. I mean, historically, its fundamental purpose is to affirm that Jesus is the descendant of Abraham and the descendant of David. God made a promise to Abraham to bless the nations through through his offspring and made a promise to David to establish his throne forever. Matthew is a writer of one of the four Gospels, and his audience is predominantly Jewish Christians, and his Jewish Christian audience needs to know that this Jesus is, in fact, the offspring of both Abraham and David. And so this genealogy is given to attest to that truth. You won't find this particular genealogy in Luke. You'll find a different one that goes all the way back to Adam. This one goes only to Abraham, because that is uh, Matthew's primary concern, to show that, that Jesus is the offspring of Joseph, and so on, so to David, and so on, so to Abraham. And you might say, well, was he really the offspring of Joseph in that he was, didn't we just profess that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary? Well, the scripture makes it very clear to us that, that Jesus was, in fact, the legal father of Jesus. Jesus. Joseph took Mary and the child within her into his home and accepted all the responsibilities for them. He was the legal father of the child. But the thing that tips us off to this truth more than any other is the fact that Joseph named the child. See, that is the responsibility given to the father. The father has the privilege of naming the child. Now you might say, well, Joseph really got put in the corner because God the father sent an angel to tell Joseph, you will name the child Jesus. But Joseph didn't have to obey that angel. He could have thought maybe it was a mistake and named him after himself. Joseph fulfilling 
in obedience to that messenger, named the child Jesus, and fulfilled his responsibility as a father. So yes, Joseph is the father of Jesus, and Jesus is of the lineage of David and Abraham. So Matthew wants to make that clear. But this genealogy is interesting for a couple other reasons. It's interesting because it includes some interesting folk. Most notably, Abraham and David. Two folk that experienced significant failures in their life. Among all the other spiritual challenges that they did meet, I mean, you remember Abraham, this one who was willing to sacrifice his only son, his son Isaac, to the Lord. This same Abraham, fearful of his own life, pretended that his wife was his sister and offered her to another man, and he did that not once but twice. He didn't learn the first time. This is Abraham. I mean, those are the kinds of things we'd rather not bring to the surface. And this David, this great king, was the one who committed both adultery and murder. And so when we go through this genealogy, you say, wow, that family of Joseph is hmm, quite something. But there's something else here in this genealogy. Notice that the genealogy that Matthew atypically inserted the name of four women. Now, this was a no-no. You don't do this in genealogies. Matthew inserted the names of four women, but he even pushed the envelope further. He included the names of four Gentile women. And then he pushed the envelope even further and included the names of four sinful women. Gentile women. Look at this list. Now, if you're a good old Jew reading this and hearing this for the first time, this is going to blow you away. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah. And all, all Matthew had to say was Perez was the father of Hezron. But no, he has to remind us that Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, that Gentile woman who was guilty of incest with her father-in-law. Just had to throw that in there. Just couldn't let it be. And then he goes on. And Salmon, or Solomon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, that Gentile prostitute. Oh. And Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, the Moabitess, the hated enemy of the Israelites. To a Shiite like a Sunni, to a Sunni like a Shiite, so were the Moabites, the Moabites to the Israelites. Oh, then we're not done. And then David, the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife, Bathsheba, that infamous adulteress victimized by King David. Now ask yourself, why does this genealogy include the names of four women, four Gentile women, a, a, a woman guilty of incest, a prostitute, a Moabitess, an adulteress? Why? Because Matthew wants to teach us something even in this genealogy. 
He wants to teach us that the road to Jesus included both Jews and Gentiles, men and women, young and old, saints and sinners. This is no privileged lineage. This is a lineage that includes people just like you and me. And from that teaching, we may assume that the road which leads from Jesus will also include Jews and Gentiles, men and women, young and old, saints and sinners. We may take away even one more lesson from this genealogy and suggest that every saint has a past and every sinner a future. For Joseph had a past. And his past included Tamar and Rahab and Ruth and Bathsheba. But every sinner has a future. Tamar's future was Jesus. And Rahab's future was the Lord. And Ruth's future was the Savior. And Bathsheba's future was the new King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Can you see it, my friends? Every saint has a past. In every sinner a future. That's the good news tonight. I hope you came for some good news. Every saint has a past. And every sinner a future. Which is to say that every saint, you included and me included, has racked up a long, long list of sins. Huge. Incredible list of sins. Each one of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, says the Apostle Paul. And let's at least be thankful that our sins are not cataloged in a genealogy for two, for two millennium for people to read about. <laughs> but every one of us, every saint here, has racked up a long list of sins fallen short of the glory of God. But every sinner who has come to Christ has a future. For our sins have been forgiven and we have been given eternal life. I'll say it again. Every saint has a past. Every sinner a future. Your past and mine includes a long, long list of sins and our future includes hope for eternal life because our sins have been forgiven by our Lord and Savior. So how does a, a disciple's Christmas differ from that who, of one who doesn't follow Jesus? Well, when we come to Christmas, we recognize, like, like Joseph, that every one of us has a past that has brought this coming of Jesus to bear. Every one of us has a past loaded with sins that has prompted the need of a Savior. And we also know that every one of us has a future, a future free from guilt and sin and shame only because of the gracious love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So there are two applications you can take from this truth. 
The first is this. Don't let your past hold you down. For you are a saint. <laughs> Every saint has a past. There's no one here who doesn't have a past. There's not a person here whose stories would not cause the rest of us to vomit. We all have a past. We've all done things we're ashamed of. We've all done things we hope people won't see or remember. But don't let your past hold you down. You're a saint. You've been forgiven. You've been cleansed. And you have been renewed. And if every saint has a past and every sinner has a future, the, the other application is this. Don't let your sin stop you from coming to Christ and claiming a new future. Don't let your past stop you from claiming forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And you're looking at me saying, well, pastor, we know that. That's old news. Well, Every pastor has about five or ten stories that he never forgets. Let me share one with you that some of you may have heard before. Unforgettable story. A woman just like you, born and raised in the church, went to church every Sunday, raised her family in the church. Children came up to love the Lord got to be about 85, and she was in the hospital, and she was nearing death. And I received word from someone, maybe a child, that she wanted to see me before she passed away. And it, that's an honor. It's one of the, the greatest privileges there is. And so I went to the hospital to see her, and uh, she called me into the room, and she told her children to leave. And once the door was closed, and it was just her and me, I sat down beside the bed, and I asked her um, what was so urgent. What did she need to tell me? And, and she said, well, you know, I'm, I'm dying soon. I said, yes. And I said, are you ready? Are you ready? No, I'm not. Why aren't you ready? I've sinned. Okay. Well, have you asked the Lord to forgive you? Yes, but I've really sinned. I said, what do you mean? I asked her, I've sinned so bad the Lord could never forgive me. And I sat there and probed a little further, confused by this woman who I'd seen in church every Sunday for years and who had loved the Lord, professed her faith, and now she's at the point of death and afraid to die? I pressed, I probed, and she said, well, when I was 16, I had an abortion. I said, okay. Do you regret that? Yes, I do. Have you confessed that to the Lord as sin, that day and every day since? Well, then it's my privilege to tell you that he's forgiven you. Really? I said, yes, and it's also my privilege to tell you that he's not only forgiven you, the very first time you asked for forgiveness, he forgave you. 
And the second time you asked for forgiveness, he said, I don't know what you're talking about. I remember your sins no more. Now I can rest in peace. And she dies days later. Got me thinking. How many people sit in the pew every Sunday just like her? They really haven't figured out grace. People just burdened with guilt. Friends, every saint has a past. Every one of us. And every sinner, every sinner, every sinner has a future. For in Christ there is forgiveness. In Christ we are made new. And while your neighbor and your family and your friends may not forget your past, God does. Oh, don't ask me to explain it. Don't Just take it at face value, will you? When Jesus says to the prophet, I will forgive their sins, they'll be as white as snow, and remember their sins no more. into your bones. <laughs> Let it sink into your heart. Don't let your past hold you down, for you're a saint. And don't let your sins stop you from coming to Christ and claiming a new future. Every saint has a past. Every sinner a future. I'm going to wrap it up with just one more application. Think about this. Now on Christmas, every saint has a past. That's us. We have a past. And according to the genealogy of Matthew, in our past, there is a man born of the Virgin Mary named Every one of us has a past. And in our past is the very first coming of Jesus, the Messiah, the Emmanuel, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Every saint has a past in which Christ has come. And every one of us sinners here has a future when Christ will come again. Amen? He'll come again. He'll come again and take us with all of our warts and wrinkles and transform us and fit us for eternity. Yes, my friends, every saint has a... And every sinner has a future.